Well, thank you guys for worship this morning. I'm thankful to be here today. If you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2 is where we are this morning. And uh, uh, we have been in the middle of... uh, a series in First Peter. We stepped out a few weeks ago, and over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, we have been kind of outside of that, and we've been addressing some things along the way. And uh, a lot of what we've been addressing is our is our duties and our responsibilities. And this morning, uh, I want to talk about the heartbeat of the mission, the heartbeat of the mission, the question: Why do we do what we do? Uh, the heartbeat of the mission. There was a song written a long time ago. Uh, I believe it was a Steve Green song. Great song. In fact, one day Mark will sing it again, maybe. But uh, uh, the heartbeat of our missions, great, great song. And just talking about to love the Lord your God is the heartbeat of the mission. And, uh, and so this morning, I want to ask a question, and, 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 and just for introspection, God help me uh, to, to just be still and help me to see what you see. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but but I know sometimes we don't see ourselves clearly. Uh, uh, I don't understand why I do the things that I do. Y'all ever do that? Y'all ever do something and say, man, that was the stupidest thing? Why do I do that? And uh, uh, why do I do the things that I do? Uh, but, but God helped me understand this morning. So, so here's the question. And, and, and it's not a simple question, all right? Here, but here is the question. Do you love Jesus Christ? Do you love Jesus Christ? You know, when you're talking about loving Jesus Christ, it's more than just a song. Uh, it's, more than, it's more than, hey, if you love Jesus, forward this Facebook post. If you love Jesus, honk. There's more to it than those things, all right? Anybody can do that. But the question is simply this. Do you love Jesus Christ this morning. And uh, because when the Bible says you love him, there are things that happen in our life. In fact, the Bible even says this, that if I sincerely love Jesus Christ, watch what happens to me. John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. The Bible says this in John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our whole abode, our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. You know, there's some things in life that we know for a fact. We know that God loves us. Aren't you thankful today that we have a God in heaven that loves us dearly, intimately? He knows everything about me. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my struggles. He knows my faults. And he still loves me. I mean, the Bible, the, the, the most uh, common verse in the whole Bible, I think, is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, us. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrated his great love for you and his great love for me. And that while we were still sinners, he died on the cross. What an incredible demonstration of his love. Be careful, you never question the love of God. He loves you dearly. But the question this morning is not whether he loves you, but do we love him? 
Because the Bible says in John chapter number 14 that if someone loves God, if they love God, they will obey him. Obedience is the marker. Obedience is the manifestation of the love we have for God. Now, if that be true, which it is because it's biblical, we have a serious problem in the church because when you look at the church today, and I'm not just talking about Morningside, but if you look at the church today, less than 50% of born-again believers will even gather together to worship the King of Kings, to worship the one they say they love. Man, I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm married and, and, and been married for 30 years, going on 31 coming up here soon. And, uh, and uh, can I tell you something? Every opportunity, every opportunity for 30 years that I've had to be with my wife, I've been with her. Because I love her. I'd rather be with her than anybody else. We spend time together. And do you know that as a Christian, you are the bride of Christ? You're the bride of Christ. This message today, by the way, this message today, we're going to go somewhere with it. And, uh, and, uh, and I pray to, today that maybe you're here, maybe you're here this morning and it's, and it's husbands and wives. It's, it's relationships. Maybe you're here today and you would admit that, man, I, I'm, I'm no longer really passionately in love with my wife. I'm just enduring. There's an answer for you today. There's an answer. But if you look at the church, if you look at the church, less than 50% of born-again believers are even gathering to, today. When you're talking about the church, do you know that 90%, 90% of born-again believers have never, never engaged in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody? Oh, we love Jesus. It's easy to say. You know what we do? We, we, we talk about things we love. We talk about the ones we love. John said you, you'll be obedient. When you're talking about obedience, do you, do you, know, do you know that it, it, statistics show that less than 15% of born-again believers tithe their incomes? We love Jesus. Well, how does that line up? My love, how does that line up with Scripture? How does that line up? God, help us. Do I really love him like I say? And by the, by the way, just because I've got, just because I'm obedient doesn't necessarily mean I'm loving either. <laughs> In other words, I, hey, I can labor without love. I can labor without love. But I can't love without labor. That's what John said. Do I love Jesus Christ? <laughs> so that's been a struggle. That's been something that's plagued the church for a long time. And um, he addresses it. Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. And the Bible says this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one talking about Jesus Christ and he holds the seven stars talking about the church leaders, the pastors in the churches in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands referenced specifically to the church. In other words, Jesus Christ himself is intimately acquainted with the church. Why? Because we're his bride. He's intimately acquainted. 
he writes and he says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they're not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds and that you did at first or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So this morning, this morning, although we have a text of scripture we have a letter that's been written by Jesus Christ to a specific body Um, this morning I, I wonder if God who is omniscient what does that mean it means he knows everything it means I can't hide from him he knows he knows everything he knows why I do what I do he's omniscient he's omnipresent he's no matter where I go, I can't escape God. He, he's there. If he's writing to you today, personally, what would he say? If he's writing a letter to you, what would he say? That's what this is. It's a personal letter being written. Here, he, he, he writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, hey, here's the deal. And he begins in verse 2, and he, and, and he begins with commendation, all right? He begins with commendation. He says, hey, I'm commending you. In fact, if you were to look at the church at Ephesus, you'd say, man, that is a, an incredible church. And they were in a lot of ways, an incredible church. He commends them. He commends, first of all, their duties. Verse number 2, he says, I know of your toils. I, I know of your deeds, and I know of your toils. And he's talking about what you do, your deeds. I know what you're doing. Your deeds, your toils. I know how you're going about, the effort with which you are putting out in your work. He's commending them for their deeds and for their toils. He's commending their duty, their responsibility. He says, praise God for that. It's commendable. And today I would say that if Jesus Christ were writing to Morningside, I would say he would be able to commend us because there's a lot of people that do a lot of good work and we praise God for that. Uh, uh, There's a lot of people. We have servers. We have prayers. Do you know we we got teams going out into these neighborhoods praying uh, every day of the week, different neighborhoods, praying over new homes and new families coming into our area. We got prayers. We got we got singers praise God for singers we have greeters we have vacation Bible school we have people serving do you know that our our church vacation Bible school we we a lot of times we got more workers than we do kids I, I sincerely I don't know where that's true where that's true we got people that buy in and say man I want to serve Got a lot of workers, and praise God for that. I believe that God could commend us for our work, but not only just for the work that's being done, but how they're going about doing it with all of their heart. He says, I'm commending you guys. And so praise God for that commendation. He's commending not only their deeds and their, and their toils, but he also commends their doctrine. In other words, what they believe. He says this, he says, man, you, you guys, not only not a, you, evil men, you cannot tolerate, verse number two. 
and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they're not. And you found them to be false. And then he goes down in verse number six, and he says, hey, you also do this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about, he's talking about you're believing the right things. You, not, not just your work, not just your duty, but your doctrine. You believe the right things. And, 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 and it's not just what you believe, but you're also practicing what you believe. And so praise God for that. He says, you hate the de- you, you don't tolerate evil men among yourself. What is he talking about there? It means this. The Apostle Paul said, whenever you have a brother in your midst, a brother, a sister, a family member who is living in sin, you deal with that thing. He says, these people are dealing with that. Church discipline. Do you know that church discipline is a part of a healthy church? Church discipline, the whole purpose, the whole point of church discipline is restoration. It's about the good of others. It's not just condemning people and saying, oh, you sorry sinner. No, that's not what it's about. It's about saying, man, you're out of fellowship with the Father, and I have a heart for you. And it's restoration. But the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, something so foreign to where the church is today. Church discipline. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, listen to this. And it's the whole chapter. I'm going to give you the summarizing statements that he makes in 1 Corinthians 5. But watch what he says. He says, but actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he's an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Did y'all hear that? For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? See, we're living in a day where people love to say, man, you're just judging me. Paul said, you're not judging one another? What's wrong with you? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. We see mainline denominations that won't deal with sin. And instead of dealing with sin, they just embrace it eventually. He says, we're not talking about how you engage an outsider. We're not talking about how you engage a lost person. Listen, when you engage a lost person, you love them and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. You don't go to them and talk about their moral problems. That's not what you talk about. But if you have a professing brother, I've been saved. You deal with that in the body. You deal with those things in the body. And he's commending them. He says, hey, you don't tolerate uh, uh, the evil person in your midst. Not only do you not do that, but the false apostles. The false apostles, you're not tolerating those dudes either. In other words, those folks that are coming in there not preaching the word of God. He said, man, you, you don't tolerate those gods. They were questioning the deity of Jesus Christ. They were questioning uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were adding to the grace that's necessary for salvation and mixing in works. And he says, but you guys didn't tolerate that because you're doctrinally sound. The church at Ephesus, incredible church. When you're talking about the church at Ephesus, you talk about the leadership they had. Man, they, they, they had the apostle Paul was there as their pastor. Timothy served a period as their pastor. Apollo served as their pastor for some period of time. And John, the beloved disciple of Jesus Christ, served as their pastor. They had some incredible pastors. They believed the right things, and they also practiced them. And then he says in verse number six, you also hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. 
Who were the Nicolaitans? Well, the Nicolaitans would have been people that were given to a licentious lifestyle. They understood we're saved by grace through faith. They understood that. They got that. They also believed grace is greater than all my sin, which we would say, amen, brother, preach it, right? We're good with that. Now, the problem with the Nicolaitans is that they would say, because his grace is greater than all my sin, to really appreciate his grace, live it up. And the Apostle Paul wrote, specifically addressing this issue in the book of Romans. If you remember in the book of Romans, he said in chapter number six, he said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to live in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Absolutely not. How can we, who've been born again, we have a new nature, how can we continue to live in sin? He's addressing what we would call the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And this church was a church that God commended them for their beliefs. And, and so I would say, man, God, God I, I really do. I believe God would commend our, our beliefs. Man, we, we believe that there's one God in three persons. We believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. John chapter number 8, verse number 58. Before Abraham was even born, Jesus was talking. He said, before he was even born, I am. That's the clearest, the clearest declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ found in Scripture, I believe. He's saying, I am. He's God Almighty. We believe that there's one way into salvation. John 14 and verse number 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. We believe in only one way unto salvation. We believe that we're saved by grace through faith. And it's not by works. We're not mixing the two together. We believe that the Bible is God's word. And because it's God's word, it's infallible. And it's inerrant. And it's trustworthy. And it's authoritative in everything that we do. We embrace it. We receive it. I mean, I mean there's people that are, that are bombarding the church today with a lot of false messages. Some of them have to do with uh, what we would call soteriological issues, the issues pertaining to salvation. But then there are other issues, for example, that create really a difficult, a difficult issue in the hearts of people. Like, for example, name it and claim it. I mean, as long as you got faith. Well, that's, that's a bunch of stuff. James, the Bible says in James chapter number one and verse number two, James chapter one, verse number two, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds. What's he saying? Hey, look at the best of the apostles and you'll find they were plagued with situations and circumstances that hurt deeply. We're going to go through difficult days along the way. Be careful that we're not embracing a false message. A lot of false teachers, he's commending this church. He's saying, man, you guys are, you're serving well. You're, you're, you've got great, you're, you're doing a wonderful, wonderful job. He's commending them along the way. And then he also commends them in verse number three. He says this, <clears throat> I'm commending your determination, your determination along the way. Verse three, you have perseverance. Second time he's used the word steadfastness. And have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. 
I mean, we're talking about a church. He's saying, man, I, 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 commend, I commend your determination, man, your perseverance, your steadfastness. We're talking about a church that endured severe persecution on the outside. You know, we, we, don't, we don't struggle with that here in Tallahassee. We don't struggle with that for the most part across our country. Determination. But you know what's so crazy? Sometimes we lack determination. Why? Not because of persecution on the outside, but because either unmet expectations or somebody hurt my feelings. You'll meet people that, and I'm not going, I ain't going to church no more. I used to go to church, but I got my feelings hurt. Man, seriously, and I've said this I don't know how many times, but it's so true. If I quit every time my feelings got hurt, I'd have quit it a lot of times. <laughs> but it's not about my feelings, and it's not about your feelings. The question you got to ask yourself is, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because if love is the motivate, if love is the heartbeat of the mission... If love is the heartbeat of the mission, what happens along the way is I might grow weary in the work, but I won't grow weary of the work if love is my motivation. There's times I get tired. There's times I get my feelings hurt. There's times, oh, but you know what Galatians says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9? Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we shall reap a harvest if we don't give up. And I think that a lot of times there are many people that have missed out on the harvest because they couldn't wait. Because they threw in a towel quickly. I mean, it's, it's a whole other topic of discussion, but... I feel like one of the most blessed people on the planet for having the privilege to be able to be at a church for almost 20 years now. Why do you say that? Because, because the harvest, because the blessings that I ha have the privilege to be a part of, stick with it. He commends them. But then he goes into verse number four. He says, but you got an issue. We, we do have a situation he says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. I have this against you, that you have left your first love. What happened? They, they, they were biblically sound and solid, but the spark was gone. The flame was gone. And it happened to them, and it happens today. Do you know that also happens in marriage? That, that happens in marriage? I mean, there's a lot of times, folks, that, and, no, and by the way, nobody sets out, nobody sets out and says, man, I can't wait till the day that I'm just enduring this thing. I mean, nobody, nobody does that, but it happens. You know why? We get busy. Just busy. Sometimes it's busy with the wrong things. We just get busy. And, and, and at this point, and, and at this point, and from here moving forward, I, I believe there's great application for uh, husbands and wives. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm struggling along the way, I think there's an answer for you in this text of Scripture because we're talking about 
Jesus Christ and his bride. He says, you, fought, you, you lost your first love. You lost your first love. It's possible. <clears throat> when my doctrinal beliefs simply become cold, dead orthodoxy, and I'm just here out of obligation rather than love. I'm losing something. You know, the Bible says <clears throat> in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, a story of what it looks like. Luke 10, 38 and following, the Bible says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. <laughs> uh, but the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you have worried and, and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part shall not be taken away from her. You know what happens to a person that does what they do out of sheer obligation? They, they, they miss out. They, they become critical of others. They become critical of others. Rather than just enjoying why I do what I do. I just enjoy what I do. Motive matters. Motive matters. I mean, I, I've been married for 30 years, almost 31 years, coming up in December. 31 years. And uh, December the 15th. Imagine, imagine if this December the 15th, if I came up to my wife and I went, and I did my duty, and I, and I bought some flowers. I said, 31 years, that's all you get? I'm pretty cheap. I bought flowers, right? Just kidding. But I bought her flowers because it's my duty. And imagine if I came home and I said, Bonnie, um, 30, 31 years ago, you know, before God and other people, I said I'd, I'd be faithful and I have been. And, uh, and, and I just want to give you these flowers because it's my duty. I just don't know what would happen to the flowers. <laughs> Mo motive matters. Motive matters. And that's what Jesus Christ is saying to his bride. He's saying, man, you, you're doing some good things, but you're just not loving me like you're supposed to. You've lost your first love. Aren't you thankful that we are what's called a gospel preaching church? What do you mean gospel preaching? Good news, good news. He doesn't just point out the problem, but he says, hey, Here's the answer to your problem. And he gives an answer. So he corrects him and says, you've lost your first love. And here's the answer. Verse number five. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deed you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. So he says, here's three things. Three things. Remember, repent, and repeat. Remember from where you have fallen. It is so important to a vibrant relationship to walk down memory lane. 
Remember. Remember. It's always fun. There's something that's fun about walking down memory lane. I, I, I love to go back and, and, and talk about, uh, remember what it was like in the beginning. Remember what it was like in the beginning. I mean, we talk about that in our, in our, in our relationship, husbands and wives, to be able to go back and, and reflect on what that was like, to reflect on all those stories about, man, I didn't know whether you liked me or not. Uh, we talk about, you know, man, I saw you up there and, and I just thought, man, uh, she's the most beautiful girl in the world, but I don't know what to say to her. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden I got to meet you and my heart was like, bum, 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 and I didn't know what to say. And, uh, and, 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 and then you go back and you start remembering things and you say man I remember when we were on the beach and I remember seeing a shooting star and thinking that man God almighty if you're up there I, I, I do want to uh, make a wish on that star and <laughs> and remembering when you met remember where you've walked remember he says do the same thing spiritually do you, do you remember do you remember I mean I, I grew up in a church all the stories, I mean, I knew from the time I was a kid. But do you remember when the voice of God, when the winds of the Spirit knocked? I was, I was uh, 14 years old at Lake Swan Youth Camp, middle of Florida, down by Gainesville. <laughs> Some good things happened there. But... <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't check out. Lake Swan Youth Camp. And the Holy Spirit of God uh, took the stories that I've been hearing. And he breathed into my life. And I was overwhelmed that he would sincerely love me. And I've had the privilege to go back there and speak at different things. And I, I remember going back there and... Um, there's something special about reminiscing. I go back and uh, it was all locked up. I got there early because I wanted to go to the place that I heard the voice of God. And, um, and I did. And I went in there, laid flat on my face. Thank you for saving me. Walking down memory lane. This week, this week, this week. Bonnie and I had a chance to, one night we came and went over to the other building over there. And some of you know the story, some of you don't, but I was, we had our rehearsal dinner for our wedding at this church here. And on the night of that rehearsal dinner, I was standing, I was walking and I was standing in the other pulpit of the other building and um, audibly, I began to speak prayer walking. So God, this would be an incredible place to preach. And this week, just going back down memory lane, just breathe the breath of fresh air. He says, remember, remember. Do you remember? Remember what you did in the beginning? Do you remember when you got saved? Man, when I got saved, you know what the church did for me? The church gave me a little green King James Bible. <laughs> and I went back home, West Palm Beach. I was growing up in West Palm Beach. I went back home, and I had a fort in my backyard, and I started reading through the Bible. 
Because I just, I had a hunger. And then you know what I did? I invited my little brother and his buddy to come out there with me every day to our tree fort so I could read the Bible. Okay, I wanted them to know. And I got, I got my dog Joshua to come out there even. I did. I don't know if he ever got saved. <laughs> but I did. And you know what else happened in the beginning? I had a, a sensitive spirit to sin. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful... You can grow callous in your heart. Like, ah, that's early stuff. God, give me a childlike faith. Help me to understand right from wrong. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24. The Bible says it like this. No one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. He's specifically talking about God and money. But I would say anything that competes with the first love in our life will be despised. So if you ever come to Scripture, if you ever come to a place in, in the Bible, a biblical truth, a commandment that you really just don't like, I would say there's something wrong with your first love issue. It's, it's, it's competition. It's competition. He says, remember from where you've fallen. Repent, repent. Why? Because God didn't go anywhere. He still loves you. Listen, I don't care how far you have fallen and how far you have strayed. God knows he knew before you got there and he demonstrated his love for you and desires intimacy with you. But you gotta repent. Repent. Stop what you're doing and turn to Jesus Christ. And he says, and do those deeds. Repeat, do those deeds you did in the beginning. Do those deeds that you did in the beginning. It's true in your marriage. It's true in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do the deed you did in the beginning. I mean, think about how many marriages, how many marriages just endure. Why? Because we're not doing what we did in the beginning. I mean, in the beginning, it's like, man, I, I want to call. I want to talk. I want to just hang out. Just want to hang out. I mean, you look forward to those opportunities. And it wasn't just in public gatherings. I mean, for me and my wife, we started out at parties and, and being around other people and all that. And that's all fine and good and cool. But man, there's something about being alone. And it's nice. And Jesus says, I want some alone time with you. And so I wouldn't, just, just a practical step in your relationship. I know a lot of people are turning to the whole digital Bibles, and that's cool if you come in here and bring a digital Bible. If that's what you want to use, okay. Hopefully you get right with God, but no, I'm just, <laughs> that's just a joke. Just a joke. But sincerely, sincerely, in your quiet times, in your alone times with Jesus Christ, in your alone times, don't do it digitally. You do not, you do not need to give another tool to the devil to use to distract your alone time. It's a distraction. 
can be. So you use paper. Just go back. And, and just because you're using paper doesn't mean, oh, everything's honky-dory. I mean, it's to, to see striving, to be still and know that I'm God. That's difficult, but necessary. And Jesus says, I want time with you. I want time with you. Oh, all the labor, all the work, the duties, wonderful, wonderful. But I want your heart more than anything. Let me ask a question to you today. Number one, are you saved? Have you been born again? Ever been a time in your life when you reminisce, go back down memory lane and say, man, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart. I got saved. Man, I got saved. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I've never been saved. I'm inviting you to come. Holy Spirit of God has knocked on the door of your heart. Come. Give him your life. Give him your life. Receive the gift of salvation today. You come. Number two, maybe you're here and you say, man, I am saved. But for me, there was a time in my life when I was on fire passionately in love with Jesus. But I've allowed busyness, distractions, and the flame's not what it used to be. But God, could you fan that flame again? Absolutely. Today, before you leave, I would invite you, remember, repent, commit to doing those deeds you did in the beginning. God, help us. Help us along the way. Would you join me for prayer? Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for your love for us, for your kindness and goodness to us, God. I thank you, God, that you never fail, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, that you love us, and that, God, you demonstrated your love for us knowing that we would fail, knowing that we would struggle. But God, you're still faithful. Thank you for your unconditional love. God, I thank you for this day. And Lord Jesus, today I'm just asking if you would search our hearts, search our minds. I pray for those that are here. Possibly, Father, some are here that's never been born again. I pray your Holy Spirit would knock them door the heart, draw them to you, God, that they would have life. Lord, I pray for all of us that you'd help us to be still for a moment that you would examine our hearts, that you would shine your light into our life, God. If we lack love, God, forgive us. Please forgive us. And God, I pray that we would just fall in love with you all over again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.